Hello, everybody. Andrew Gomison here with the Speaking for Him podcast. I'm super grateful, as always, that you've chosen to join me this week. As you know, last week we kicked off a Back to Basics series here on the Speaking for Him podcast. Uh, it was with that in mind uh, that I talked last week about the five solas, which were five distinctions that Martin Luther and other reformers saw as distinctions from the major organized church of the day, which was the Catholic Church. And so we're going to dig into those individually starting this week. And so today we're going to talk about Scripture alone and the integrity of Scripture. And we will dig into that in just a little bit. But first I want to share with you what is going on. I hope that you are having a wonderful week, folks. Uh, it's back to kind of hot and muggy summer weather where I am here in West Michigan. And so I wonder if it's the same for you as well. Uh, I don't know exactly how far of a reach this podcast has, but whatever weather you are experiencing, I hope that you are also experiencing the love and the faithfulness of God. You know, that's one great thing about God is that no matter what else changes in life, he is ever faithful. Today I'm pretty excited to share with you about a nonprofit organization that I actually just discovered this morning as I was prepping for the podcast. You know, every once in a while I scroll through Facebook Watch and I see the various videos on there and many times there's some inspiring videos from unlikely sources. And one of those sources that tends to be inspiring from time to time is the Kelly Clarkson show. And as I was scrolling uh, through Facebook Watch this morning, I came upon a segment that she did with an organization called I Am Gentleman. Jermaine realized that people needed to call out the gentlemen of the inner city youth of Chicago. And this is such something that is very near and dear to my heart. Speaking for him was actually born out of a desire to see people go back to the blueprint of the Bible and see them fulfill their God-given role and be happy about the way God made them. This is in part because I know that I struggled with identity. And it is very much a, a struggle in our popular culture today to struggle with identity. Why? Because we've gotten away from a definitive standard for identity. And what I love about this organization is twofold. Number one, it says that you can be proud about being a gentleman, that you can be rejoicing in the fact that God made you to be a gentleman as a young man. And I really appreciate that, appreciate that about this organization. The second thing that I think is really neat about it is it that you don't need to use your upbringing or the place that you live as an excuse for bad behavior. I'm fortunate as I grew up here in West Michigan that I grew up in a two-parent home I grew up with a dad who was committed to raising gentlemen. You know, he always told us 
to be chivalrous to our sisters and to our mother. Um, he always told us that you, you don't fight with your siblings, but most importantly, you don't hit your sister. Um, why was there a distinction there? Because God calls men to be chivalrous and to be protective of women and to give them honor. In this clip that I'm about to share with you, you see that because one of those those little etiquette things that are being shared in this program, I am a gentleman, is something as simple as pulling out a chair for a young lady when you are at a restaurant with them. And I'm just super excited that this program exists. Today we are at the Chicago Police Headquarters and we are so excited to introduce you to 39 of the finest young men in the city of Chicago. How's everybody doing this morning? Today we are going to talk about image and grooming. We are going to talk about developing self-esteem and self-respect. The young men today will be learning life skills that they can use beyond the classroom to equip them to become productive citizens in their communities. I'm very excited about learning all these lessons because it's going to make me be more successful in life. What are some ways that you would try to help make your community safer? What is the one thing you would do differently? I'm going to make sure that when I leave the house, I'm going to dress to make a statement. I've been coming to this program for a year now. I think it's important because when you go to job interviews, you have to present yourself. Nobody can tell you how to feel. Nobody can tell you what you should feel. I've seen, with with no equivocation, I have seen the changes that happen with young people when they find that there's a safe space to speak their mind. It, it just transforms everything. What I learned today is to listen to your dreams. And I learned that it's important to present yourself very well wherever you go. I learned that we shouldn't judge a book by its cover. It has been such an amazing day, rich conversation, interactive dialogue. Everyone say, I am? I am. A gentleman. I am successful. We're taking five of the young men to Pearl's Place Restaurant here in the city of Chicago to demonstrate what they learned. It's so nice to see you. Good to see you, you as well. Too. Indeed. These are the young men. I'm turning the boys over to Lakeisha. She's going to give them a wonderful dining and etiquette session. Thank you so much, Keith. I'm just happy to be here to break bread with you guys and talk to you guys about just some dinner etiquette. You did such a beautiful thing by taking out my chair and allowing me to sit down. So you get an A so far. It's perfect. I love that. When you're cutting your food, just cut it just enough for you to eat at that moment. So that way you don't have too much food in your mouth. What do we do with our napkins if uh, we have to get up? You want to fold it up. And then you want to put it to the left of you. My dad, he's not really around, so I've never been taught those etiquette lessons before, and this program will help me become a man. These things are not just something you will learn for today. You'll be doing this for the rest of your life. I always tell these young boys, it's not how you start in life, it's always how you finish. It's been a pleasure, you guys. Thank you so much. I'm excited about my future because of this program. I feel like I'm ready for success. How amazing is that? Just taking the time to see a need in your society and then seek to fill it. I felt that it was necessary to share a story like that with you uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, as I mentioned before the clip, this is something that I'm really passionate about. I'm just really passionate about people finding their identity in Christ. And part of our identity in Christ is, is the way God made us as a man or a woman. 
And as we as we've gotten into popular culture lately, we've gone away from those distinctions and that means there's chaos and confusion like never before. So I I just applaud the the fact that that this man is investing in these young men in the inner city of Chicago in this way and teaching them to be gentle, gentlemen. Because can I just speak frankly for a minute? We know as believers that we're not supposed to judge people by their outward appearance. That is that is clear from uh, from what God says. Uh, in First Samuel sixteen seven, we say we see that God judges by the heart, where man judges from the outward appearance. That being said, though, we should, in a sense, live our lives from the perspective of knowing that people will judge us from the outward appearance. Uh, no matter how we might feel about that eventuality, it is a fact. And so if you learn to go into a job interview situation as a put-together person who cares about their hygiene, you're going to do better than someone who doesn't. The other thing that I found so encouraging about this video is that you had these women working alongside with side him with these men and being willing to teach them to be gentlemen. So often when someone seeks to be chivalrous, it's looked on as a negative or, and when I, even when I do simple things like calling someone, sir or ma'am, that's looked on as rude because our culture doesn't accept those politeness norms. And I was just raised that that is how you treat people. And it's the best way to show respect to them. So anyway, I was encouraged by that. I hope that you are too. If you want to find out more information, you can go to IamAGentleman.org and you can find all kinds of information about this really neat program. I also am excited to announce to you that Master Arts Theater is coming back, Lord willing, for a full season of theater, fall 2021 through spring 2022. You know that 2020 kind of put everything um, in the theater com community and elsewhere on hold, but I think it affected the theater community in ways that it didn't affect other things. Even if you had to go online, um, you could still go to school. Even if you had to go online, you could still do a variety of jobs. But when it came to theater, it was very difficult to do that online. Sure, we did some quarantine theater things. Sure, I was able to produce Pilgrim's Progress with my friends. Um, things that I'm very excited about and that I felt God was in and he redeemed the time. But that being said, there is just a certain amount of theater that can only be achieved through the live art of theater. And so it was a big deal for us as a theater company to be basically out of commission with a few little exceptions for about a year uh, and a half, basically. Uh, I think the last full show was... December of 2019, believe it or not, with Christmas at Pemberley, because then Father Brown happened as the next show, and it had 
most of its run, but I believe it had to be cut short uh, because of coronavirus restrictions. So it's a really big deal for Master Arts to be back. I want to share with you the 2021-2022 season of Master Arts Theater. But first, I want to share with you a little clip from Master Arts' YouTube channel. And again, I will share the full video clip on my blog. So make sure that you go to the blog and get the extra content that is there. The background of this is that it is that it is uh, the day of Jesus' crucifixion. Um, the disciples are reeling from the aftermath of that event, cataclysmic. Um, and in this particular production, they don't know that the resurrection is coming. They are still living in the depression of the, the thought that everything they've worked for for three years is gone. And so I'm really excited to share with you a clip from this rock. Yes, I know, but... Hello, it's Peter. I denied him. You denied him? Three times. Before the cock crew twice. He warned me. When was this? After he was taken in the garden, I was frantic. I couldn't let him go alone, so I followed them to the high priest's palace. They took him into the hall, and I crept in and sat down among the servants. Go on. Then they brought witnesses to prove his blasphemy. But they couldn't agree. After a while, the high priest stood up and asked him if he was the Christ. What did the master answer to that? I am. Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of God and coming in the clouds of heaven. What a glorious answer. I am so ashamed of myself. Then the high priest said he was condemned of his own mouth and guilty of death. So they all sat upon him and beat him and spit in his face. And I sat there and said nothing. A little later, a serving woman came up and asked me if I was one of his followers. Everyone began to stare at me, and I was afraid and denied it. Then someone else said he was sure he had seen me in the garden. I turned on him, and I told him he was a liar. But at once, another joined in and said he knew I was a Galilean by my speech. I couldn't stand any more of it. They were all staring at me, and wherever I looked, they were, I met angry eyes. I began to curse and swear, and I denied him again, and then... Yes? The cock crew. As they led the master away, who turned and he looked at me. His eyes, oh, our Father in heaven. All night long I walked the streets, trying to shut out those eyes, but it was no use. I was in the crowd that followed him to the hill this morning. 
After they crucified him, I stayed and watched from a distance. I didn't dare come too close, lest I should see his eyes again. Later, I came back to the city and went to the garden. I found the place where he prayed last night. There were two impressions in the earth where he knelt. Peter, don't torture yourself anymore. And that was a clip from This Rock, produced and distributed by Master Arts Theater on their YouTube channel. Uh, YouTube Quarantine Theater was just one of the ways that Master Arts pivoted through this COVID time. Another thing we did was last fall, uh, we did some outdoor performances. And then again, this summer, uh, so far, we've done outdoor performances of Enchanted April, and this August we're going to do um, Smoke on the Mountain. So I'm just really excited about the things that are coming up. And with that being said, I want to share with you the lineup for Master Arts Theater season 2021 to 2022. And it's just really exciting to be a part of this community, and I'm excited for what is upcoming. And here are the shows. The first one is Life Derailed, and this one is exciting for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, um, my good friend Ruth Hoffman, who I got a chance to direct in The Sound of Music alongside Chris McDonald, uh, is the writer of this piece, and it's very well written. Uh, so I'm very excited for you, Ruth, to have this opportunity to see this play done, and then uh, my good friends Lorna Torres and Rebecca Jansen are directing and assistant directing, respectively. So that's going to be a good show. It opens September 16th, Lord willing, and ends October 2nd, 2021. Then we have the best Christmas pageant ever, which will run from November 18th to December 4th. Um, and then we have... Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which will be February 17th to March 5th. And then we have Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame, which will run April 21st to May 7th of 2022. And then we have Over the River and Through the Woods, which will run June 9 to 25th, 2022. And then Youth Summer Stock will present The Magician's Nephew, July 28 to 30, 2022. So just to recap quickly, Life Derailed is September 16th to October 2nd of this year. Best Christmas pageant ever is November 18th to December 4th of this year. And then we get into 2022 with Guess Who's Coming to Dinner from February 17th to March 5th. And then Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame from April 21st to May 7th. And then Over the River and Through the Woods from June 9 to 25. That is directed by John Wilson. Hunchback is directed by Kathy Van Lopik. Youth Thummerstock, as usual, will be directed by Walt Williams. And that is The Magician's Nephew. So that is in capsule, the Master Arts 2021 22 season and I know that in early 2020 at the winter mosaic none of us would have thought that we would have been kind of out of formal theater 
for this long, but I'm just super glad that we were able to weather the storm, that God was faithful to provide donations to keep the theater going, and I'm excited to see where things go from here. All right, well, as I said, we're continuing our Back to Basics uh, series and continuing through our journey of the five solas. Last uh, week, we reviewed all five of them in general, and this week we're going to start to get specific. And so the first sola, or the first declaration that the Reformers made that they based this Reformation on was... Sola Scriptura, which means scriptures alone. And I want to start out with our quote of the day, and it is by one Mr. R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul says, The idea of Sola Scriptura is that there is only one written source of divine revelation, which can never be placed on a parallel status with confessional statements, creeds, or the traditions of the church. Scripture alone has the authority to bind the conscience precisely because only Scripture is the written revelation of Almighty God. So let me start off in the beginning of this to say that this is not to say that resources and videos, books, or podcasts like the one you're listening to are not beneficial to living a good Christian life and having help on this journey we call life. I think they are not only beneficial, I think that God puts his anointing on things of this nature. I really feel that he has called me to this podcast. But one thing that you will see over and over on this podcast is that I go back to the scriptures over and over and over again. I never want to present an idea that is not founded and grounded in scripture. It is so important. Paul commended the Bereans because they didn't just take what he said as gospel truth because he was the apostle Paul. I don't want you to take what I say as truth because I am Andrew Gomison or because You've come to enjoy the content of speaking for him. I want you to look at what I have to say and to test it against the scriptures and then be able to come away and say, I can support speaking for him because it is scripturally sound. Because we have to have a definitive standard on which to live our lives. I was talking about this earlier in the show when I talked about our identity and how identity is all screwed up in our culture right now because we can't be happy about being a man. We can't rejoice about being a woman uh, because gender's fluid or maybe even doesn't exist. It's a man-made construct when in reality God says, I made them male and female at the beginning of time. I made them in my image and I made them for a particular purpose. And I feel like if we get back to that, we will be able to see great revival in this land and and great happiness for everyone. Because I think we are the happiest 
when we are fulfilling our God-given roles. Now, I'll be quick to add here, because I think that happiness gets overblown, that the goal of the Christian life isn't happiness. I think the goal of the Christian life is holiness, but happiness can be the result, and should be the result, I think, of pursuing holiness. So I want to look at some points about Scripture, from Scripture, and then I will talk to you a little bit about how we trust the validity of Scripture. So the first point that I want to make on this journey through looking at the sufficiency of Scripture is that the Scriptures provide us with instruction. Paul wrote in Romans 15, verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So, Paul is referring to the prophets, um, because obviously the New Testament, by and large, was not written and definitely not compiled at this point. So Paul is saying that the scriptures that were written before time were written so that we can have instruction, so that we can learn, so that we can have comfort and have hope. That's a, that's a pretty important thing to say. The next is the scripture the scriptures are perfect. Psalm 19:7 says the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. So if you want to have a complete view of your life, a balanced view of your life, look at the Bible. The Bible tells us that we are valuable because we are made in the image of God. And it also tells us that we have hearts that are evil. That we need Christ to make the difference. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So, the goal of the Christian life is to first acknowledge who we are without Christ, and then allow Christ to make us who we cannot be without him. The scriptures are complete. I'm just going to say a couple things about this, and then I'm going to refer you to a link that I will put in the blog post, which basically I think lists like a dozen different criteria that the, that the founding fathers used um, to, to d- determine what books were canon in the scriptures. Because basically at this point we have the Protestant Bible, which composes of 66 books, And then we have the Apocrypha, which the Catholic Church um, puts on the same level of Scripture. But some of the the criterion that the the Church Fathers used when setting the canon of Scripture included such things as 
the quotations from others or the quotations in other sources. What do I mean by that? Well, if you look at a lot of Bibles, you will find something interesting often at the center of, in the center column of your Bible, sometimes right below a scripture verse, you will find what's known as a cross-reference. And one of the things that's exciting and interesting and unique about the Bible is that for most verses and for most ideas that are carried forth in the scriptures, you can find another scripture that goes along with it. My father once told me, and I continually go back in it, in my teaching as a guide for sharing with people the word of God, is that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. In other words, if an idea is a ironclad, surefire idea and is biblical, it will be confirmed by other verses. Because the Bible, even though it does seem to do so at times, it never outright contradicts itself. It was written by 40-plus writers over 2,000 years, and yet it works as a completed work. The Bible stands alone in this regard. Another aspect is that the there are secular historians that confirm the validity of the things we read in the Bible. Josephus talks about... Um, Jesus of Nazareth and attests to the things that we read in the Holy Scriptures. And then one other thing on this list is that they agree that the books in the canon were written under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That God used men to write his word, but that it was God's word. I think one of the big proofs of the validity of Scripture is that this book is written with people's flaws in mind. If I were the Apostle Paul, I would focus on writing my, about my missionary exploits and not spend time talking about how I am the least of the apostles or I am the chief of sinners. I might petition to have Acts 8 removed from the Bible because Acts 8 shows that I was a murderous sinner trying to kill people that were following Jesus. But that's not what happened. As a matter of fact, over and over in his testimony, Paul constantly affirms that the things that were written in Acts chapter 9 were true. I was one way, and now I'm not, because the power of Jesus Christ changed me. So that's 
a solid way that you can tell that the scriptures are complete. And the scriptures themselves tell us both in the Old and the New Testaments not to add to them. Let's look at these passages now. We'll start with the Old Testament. Proverbs 35 and 6 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And that is Proverbs 35 and 6. Revelation 22, 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of the prophecy, God shall take away his part in the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. And so it's very important for me to preach the whole counsel of God and not to skip the uncomfortable sections. That's why if you follow my preaching ministry, you know that I prefer book studies because book studies force you to preach the whole book and to not skip over the things that may be uncomfortable or harder to understand. The scriptures are everlasting. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. 1 Peter one twenty four and 25. So Peter is saying that the words of God will last forever. The things that we say that are unimportant, those will fade into the annals of history. Those will not matter, but the words of God do matter. And then the final point that I want to make about the importance and the sufficiency of Scripture is that the Scriptures are living. This comes from Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And truly I think this verse in Hebrews 12 is a catalyst a reason why today and throughout all time, as it's been written, people hate the Word of God. Because if you pick up the Bible and you read it and you see its truth, then it requires you to act. It requires you to change something in order to fall in line with it. 
I saw a meme, which I recently shared on Facebook, which said, it is true that Jesus spent time with drunkards and with prostitutes. That's very true. But it's important for us to realize that by the time Jesus was done with them, they were no longer drunkards and prostitutes. Why? Because someone who has a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ will be changed by that relationship. We have a dangerous theology in modern Christianity today that says, I'm not going to judge you about your lifestyle I'm not going to encourage you to change. I'm just going to say, come as you are. And sadly, often the way that we present it is almost like come as you are and stay as you are. But Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you and I could be the same people that we were before we found out about his death. He didn't rise from the dead so that we could be the same people that we were before his death. Think about the disciples themselves. They all forsook him and fled in the garden. You know, in that piece that I shared with you from Master Arts, Peter was feeling pretty down on himself for deserting the Lord, but the point is made in that piece that all of them deserted. All of them went their own way. And so when Jesus does later resurrect, they all need to be told, peace be with you. They all need to be gently called foolish and encouraged that when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Because I'm sure after Peter denied knowing Christ three times, he felt about two feet tall. After he'd made all those brash declarations about how he would never leave Jesus, then he turned and ran. So we all need that encouragement. But the reason Jesus came was to give you life. You know, sometimes we say, well, Jesus came to make bad people good. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He came to make dead people alive. He said in Ephesians, Paul said in Ephesians, And you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Hath he made alive? You who were far off, hath he brought near? What? How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us to study to show ourselves approved. Rightly dividing the word of truth. But it takes work. The The passage also says, 
that we are to be a workman who needs not to be ashamed. So as we continue to dig into these basics of the Christian faith, may you be encouraged in your own life to say with Paul, I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That is my prayer and my hope for you as you continue to listen to and Lord willing share these podcasts. I hope that God is showing himself faithful to you. I know that if you are a believer, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I know that to be true. I've seen him work in my life and reach out to me in times that were most desperate. And he can do the same for you. Well, that's about all I have for today's show. I hope that you, as I said, are encouraged, and I hope that you will continue to join us as we continue to soldier on through some of these basics of our Christian faith so that we would be able to defend the faith, so that we would be able to stand against the fiery darts of the wicked one. Because I think when we're younger in the faith or younger as a child, we might have this idea that the devil just wants to go around doing these extremely evil things. But he's much more subtle than that. He wants us to believe that we're doing the right thing often. That's why we're seeing so many wolves in sheaves' clothing coming out of the woodwork because biblical illiteracy is high. I hope you have a wonderful week. And that above all, you keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.